Hey everyone, this is Bradley Chalevsky, co-founder and editor-in-chief at MerchantFraudJournal.com, and this week we have part one of a conversation that I had with Bruno Farinelli. He's the head of fraud analysis and data science teams at ClearSale, and he's going to be talking to us about some incredible, incredible stories, including inside jobs at the post office, how companies can protect their internal data from fraudsters, and a whole lot more. Really appreciated Bruno coming out and talking to us on the podcast. Hope everyone else enjoys it as well. And remember, you can get all the latest merchant fraud tips and tricks at merchantfraudjournal.com. Enjoy, everyone. Bruno, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for the invitation, Bradley. Uh, I love having the chance of discussing fraud with peers, and I think this is a subject we could spend days talking, but I'm, I'll, I'll glad to settle for some minutes. Awesome. So let's get all the good stuff out of the way. Tell everyone who you are, who you represent, mm -hmm. and then we'll dive right in. Okay. My name is Bruno Farinelli. I am a Brazilian. I lived in the United States for five years. I've been working with ClearSale for almost 10 years already. And right now, my position is that I am leading the fraud analysis and the data science teams. So all the teams that are handling fraud in ClearSale, which is an amazing challenge. Uh, the beginning of my career was in Brazil. And I have to say that our fraudsters are pretty impressive, even though we were always fighting those guys. And after five years, I had a chance to lead the, the international fraud teams for clear sale, which is, has also been a huge challenge with very dynamic. Awesome. So we're definitely going to get into Brazil without a doubt uh, by the end of the podcast. But let's jump right in and tell me what your craziest instances of fraud are. Well, I think one of the craziest that I, I, I recently heard is actually a client of ours. So imagine this, the, the, the following situation, you know, you have a fraudster and the fraudster has access to your credit card. But besides that, he's also going to make a purchase online using your name, your billing address, your shipping address, the phone number is going to be your phone number, the email is going to be your email. So he's going to basically use everything that you have to, let's assume, buy a television, okay? okay. And then he goes there and buys the television. And what's going to happen? Well, in the past, some fraudsters, they were, they were able to connect with someone that was compromised at a courier, and they would be able to redirect the shipping. But in this case, I think the guy was bolder, if I can say that. Okay. Uh, the move he made is very simple. So let's assume he used your credit card, Bradley. In the end, with this behavior, the television would be arriving to your house, right? And you would be there without knowing what to do. The next move from the fraudster would be to go to your house with uh, using a cloth from this client, from this e-commerce, and he would say, hey, Hey, Mr. Bradley, did we deliver a television here by any chance? I think you received somewhat, something that was not for you. Wow. And then what you would do in that moment is that you would simply be delivering something that was purchased with your credit card to the fraudster that made the purchase. So I have, I have two questions about this. This is, this is definitely a new one, definitely super interesting. We, we've, we've had fraudsters at the door before not in this specific mm -hmm. context but i always have two questions about this one is if you ever heard about there being a confrontation 
if there mm-hmm. was ever somebody who realized that something wasn't quite right and tried to confront anyone about it and if there was a physical altercation. And then the other one that I, I'm always really curious about is what is the group that is doing this? Because this is obviously a, a more highly sophisticated operation and what that looks like on the back end when you really dig in and try to figure out how to prevent this, what you're finding as you go down the rabbit hole. Good. Actually, Brad, the first, the, the no, not the first, the second time we heard this of this case happening, it was from a customer that refused to deliver the product and he did said he would be calling for the police. And in the end, the fraud simply went away. There was no altercation, but- So how did he know? How did that person know? It's very simple, right? Nowadays, you have, we have alerts to our, to our phones, right? So he received an SMS saying that a purchase happened that he wasn't aware. And then on the day later, a television arrives on his house. So he knows that he knew what was happening in there. Wow, okay, wow. Yeah. And the fraudster just uh, walked away. So I guess they're exactly. not they, they're not gonna. Yeah, right. they they know that anything anything worth one of uh, it's one thing to commit cyber fraud. It's another thing to try and trespass and invade or even go into a violence. The crimes right. are different, right? For sure. And in regards to who's doing that, yeah, there could be some fraud rings, I bet. But in reality, it's, it it isn't hard for you to find clothing for a famous brand if you search well on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So for you to pretend to be a, 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 an employee of a huge chain or even of a courier, it's not that hard. So when you're seeing the, are you seeing these types of cases come about organically or is this more of an outlier? I'm wondering because as the industry gets better at catching some of this type of fraud, if you're seeing an uptick in the number of fraudsters that are creating or going for this kind of hybrid model that's both online and in real life, or if this is still remaining something that you see in kind of a rare instance? We saw two instances, and in both of those instances, it was obviously the action of a fraud wing because we saw several cases in the same region. This was one of the things that allowed us to detect and prevent. And it's, that's how it works. Once you are able to successfully decline the right orders, the fraudsters are going to go, they're going to try somewhere else. Right. So what kind of advice would you have for the companies, right? Because this is their brand name that's on the line. And we've discussed this a lot in the industry about the reality is when your brand is co-opted by a fraudster and you end up in a situation like this where you have somebody show up at your door, that does make an impression on people. Not everybody perhaps, but it is definitely a liability that brands have to contend with. And I'm wondering if you counsel merchants that you work with about how to prepare customers for this type of fraud. If that's done, it might not be. I could see it not be because we know brands don't really like to talk about it. But if you've had any brands specifically ask you how they can go about prepping customers for this so that it's not such a shock when it happens or or if they don't why they should and and how you would counsel them to go about doing that 
Well, I think the first, in this case, one of the, the advices we gave to, to, to this company, Brad, it was specifically to always advise their customers that any interaction like this one, it wouldn't be handled on a person-to-person -person basis. So what basically would happen is that the, 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 they would be calling the client, they would be sending an email to the client, anything that could be record and that could be saved if the client, if the customer ever needs it, you know? So in the end, giving advices to the customer, giving, uh, explaining the customer how an interaction would happen and it wouldn't be like it was on this case. But I, I, I have to say that it's a very tough case. Uh, on the other hand, you also obviously have, you want to make sure that there is there isn't a scenario in which a fraudster is going to have access to anything that is going to be able to uh, to make him pretend to be from your company, you know, like clothing, documents, and so goes on. So there are all, there are also security policies that should be in place in regarding to those. Okay, gotcha. And so the other question coming full circle, we were talking about the types mm -hmm. of organizations. You said some fraud rings but mostly individuals for this type of, of fraud mm. that you're seeing? No, we actually saw more than one. Okay. So you're, you're seeing a trend that when this does happen, it's more sophisticated groups of people that are running these. Exactly. Things. When it happens, it was more than one case and always probably more than one fraudster as well. But in both instances, we saw this, it was exactly the same behavior. So they, they started trying a lot. Once they're prevented, they simply disappear because they're likely trying trying the, 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 the same MO somewhere else. Okay. Are you finding from the backend data perspective mm -hmm. that the people that are running these types of scams, if you do catch them, that you can use that information to prevent fraud elsewhere that they might have been perpetuating or are is the the nature of the crime such that it's really hard to to isolate and and uh not hard to isolate that it is isolated and that you can't really use it to to stop them in other ways yeah be because all of the data points he's using usually belongs to the card holder this is going to make it a little bit harder. Uh, obviously, we would, we would still have a device identification that a lot of merchants have. That's a very reliable information that might assist in cases like this. So once you know that that device is compromised, you know that it have to be taken care of. We have to, you have to take care of with, take care with anything that is coming from that device, right? Uh, other than this, what, 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 what caused us is that we have several algorithms that are going to be looking for deviations. So from one day to the other, the volume of orders in a specific, um, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say city, but region was much higher than it was in, in a normal day, you know? Okay. And this was the, in, in the end, how we were actually able to, to identify those cases and to properly, and to properly address them because you cannot simply be second guessing every order that has, all the data matches that you need, right? Right. So you're looking for larger trends in, exactly. a, in a broader area. Gotcha. All right. So let's let's hear. Uh, you said you had a list, and I want to make sure we get through at least a couple. Um, so yeah. let's let's go on to the next one. Okay. Let me. I'm gonna give you from one from Brazil now because I, this was one of my first. So it, it's okay. always one that I like to discuss. 
This is actually a former employee uh, of an e-commerce in Brazil. So he he left the company and he decided to to rent rope. You know, yeah, this so company was an e-commerce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this company was was an e-commerce, and he had access to um, a huge batch of credit card numbers from that because that company also had a private label credit card and he had access to all that list. So after this happened, we had like two or three months of action because he was trying every day and changing patterns because he knew one thing or two about how anti-frauds were operating, you know? Hmm. So this was back in 2013. So he was, he was go in the back then what he was doing is that he was changing all the addresses, so using symbols, spaces, changing the orders of the thing of the, of the fields, but in a way that a, a postman would still be able to understand what's happening there. So, hmm. for example, if there was a, he would put the street in the name of the city and the city in the name of the street, but for the postman it would still make some sense wow. because that website of back then didn't have address standardization, so this was a, an issue, and. It was, a, 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 in reality, a huge game of cat and mice because he was always changing patterns. Obviously, after a while, we were able to encapsulate all of the patterns and successfully prevent. And then he discovered something that is like only internal to post offices in Brazil, which is that he discovered a code that it wouldn't matter what the address that the order was that he was utilizing to ship an order. If this code wasn't there, the postman would not try to deliver and he would hold the order in the post office. And when he was doing this, it was to, then he would go directly to the post office to retrieve the product. Wow. That's, and this was that's... something that was, this was, this is an internal code, you know, like it, it's not something that even people from the outside should be using. Right, internal to the post service, right? Exactly. Or internal to the okay, inter so no, no, how did internal he get that? to the post service. Yeah, how did he get That's that? That's the thing, impossible to know. Obviously, oh. likely someone from the post office was the one that, that told him, and he oh. was able to do this. When we catch him, though, when we were able to find to see he was doing that, we collaborated with, with this client of ours to because obviously he was going to the post office to pick up something, so it was extremely easy to to catch him right when we were in the middle of this collaboration believe it or not the fraudster the the, the former employee had the the audacity of calling to our clients customer service to ask about the order because it was delayed <laughs> and then the the customer service rep screw up a little bit and he said look we're gonna catch you like you are you're ours we're gonna catch you you can do what you can do but your time arrived and then obviously that he didn't go to, he didn't go there to pick up the product so it was an extra couple months until our client was successfully able to catch this guy wow with the help that's of the police crazy. here in brazil how much yeah the craziest lost? part for me not a lot uh, like okay. in attempts, a lot. We're talking about million dollars in attempts from a single person. But in in, in losses, actually, there's there wasn't a lot. But they had a lot of complaints because of the credit card problem and so, as you can imagine. 
Right, right. Yes, yeah, so you're going to say what and, was crazy to you. Yeah. The crazier thing for me is that he was actually arrested at some point, and he was arrested. He, he, he just kept in jail for nine months. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. as you can imagine, nine months later, back uh, we were back into having to deal with this guy. Yeah, I mean, what's nine months in a Brazilian prison? I would do that, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would last nine seconds in a Brazilian prison, much yeah. less nine months. But so I have, I have two questions to ask yeah. off of this. One is, this is a really good point that you bring up and something that is not discussed enough. And so in all seriousness, can you talk to me about present, uh, preventing inside jobs? And this is something that I think companies obviously take seriously when they're talking about sensitive corporate information, but some of this information employees have to have access to. They, they have to see what's going on in the back end they're, they're, or they're, they're processing transactions or whatever they're doing. I actually helped in, in, in some investigations like this. And it's definitely something that happens. Why is this happening is my first question. Um, why aren't there more controls that are in place? And then my second question would be what people can do to try and, and strike that balance between preventing it but still allowing people to do their jobs. Well, the first thing is that, you know, you've got to have very strict policies when it comes to security. And even more, if you are dealing... Because one thing is someone that knows how, like that understands an anti-fraud system and knows how to do fraud. This, another thing is if that person has access to sensitive information. If that's the case, you've got to have some very strict security policies on your end to prevent this person from distributing that information somewhere else, you know? So while here at ClearSale, we have a culture, a culture that values freedom a lot, when it comes to security, we're very strict. Um, employees cannot communicate, send emails to our analysts, for example, the ones analyzing orders. They cannot send emails to anything outside of ClearSale because you have to be very strict. It's While the data is stored at ClearSale, the data belongs to the customers. So we need to be very respectful with that. Something else that I found, Brad, is that investigating cases like this in most of those cases, the employee entered in the company already with the idea of doing something bad. So he knew where he was entering. So being careful with the recruitment process is also something that is very important here. Obviously, in some cases, uh, the opportunity is going to for the employee is going to appear during his during his time at the company, but in some cases he's going to enter in the company already with this intention. Do you have any advice for how you can find those people or is it just a case by case basis or, or do you see a common link between the people that end up doing that, that you can identify during the interview process? What I saw is that in the cases, those guys were able to enter the recruitment processes was almost like, very little restriction when it comes to making the employee understand the, the risks and 
the penalties that he could receive if he did something wrong, you know. And even in the selection itself, the filters were not a lot. There weren't a lot of filters because we're, you're talking about something that is very sensitive. So you need to have a lot of filters when it comes to hiring someone, running the proper background checks, for example. Even in some cases, we found we found even background checks would be able to prevent Hey everyone, thanks for checking out part one of my conversation with Bruno Farinelli at ClearSale. Next week, we're going to continue with more incredible stories of fraud. I hope you enjoyed. And as always, you can get all the latest merchant tips and tricks at merchantfraudjournal.com.